Hi, this is Chaz. When I want to listen to a show with practical information from an everyday guy who can't carry a cop just like me, I listen to my good friend Bob Main. Now on with the show. Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. I carry a gun because I can't carry a cop. Welcome to episode number 497. Uh, this show is sponsored by Concealment Solutions, makers of fine holsters. You can find them at concealmentsolutions.com. Today's February 16th, just a little bit late. Normally these come out on the 1st and 15th of every month. But just a day late here. Anyway, check out Concealment Solutions. That's concealmentsolutions.com. As I've mentioned uh, many times, I own several of their holsters. And I, I'm firmly, firmly committed to the customer service and the quality that Jason Christensen puts out over at Concealment Solutions. You can get a 10% discount by using the coupon code HANDGUNWORLD. One word coupon code HANDGUNWORLD at checkout for 10% off all the holsters. Uh, just not the belts, but everything else. Okay, so I'm going to cover some listener feedback. In particular, I'm going to play one voicemail from for you that I got from a, a really cool listener and he's a, he's a law enforcement officer from New Jersey. I want to encourage all of you, if you've got some comments, questions, things like that, go ahead and call in a voicemail. 210-646-1727. That's area code 210-646-1727. I'd love to hear from you. You know, if you got... If you can keep your point down less than three minutes, otherwise if you go more than three minutes, it's going to cut you off. You're going to have to call back in. I don't mind putting you on the show. As a matter of fact, episode 500 is coming up. I've got six people that I plan to interview for episode 500. Six people that have made terrific contributions to this show over the last ten and a half years that I've been doing this. Hard to believe. And so I've picked a half a dozen people that really uh, have have put a lot of their time and effort interviewing with me on the show. Maybe seven people, because there's one other person that I want to extend an invitation to. And you're really going to enjoy it. So get prepared. It's probably going to be a couple hour show when episode 500 comes up. Anyway, here we are at 497 in the middle of February 2020. So Big E from New Jersey called me. Big E, a law enforcement officer. And this is this is pretty good. This is some good stuff that he talks about. Because first of all, we all know we all know the situation in New Jersey with with ba basically with gun control. With you know, New Jersey pretty much strips you of almost all of your Second Amendment rights, and it's sad. But New Jersey happens to be one of those states. But here's a good voicemail. Hey, Bob. Biggie, calling in from New Jersey, listening to the podcast, and had a little bit of feedback for you. A little background, I'm, I'm active LE, I enjoy shooting, I have a range set up in my backyard, and 
the latest episode I, I, I was listening to and kind of reflected on that you were saying about, you know, every year when you have the new guns come out and you do reviews on them, you get a, you know, a million likes and, and views and comments. And then when you talk about, talk about tactics or, or, or trigger control, sight alignment, whatever, it kind of wavers off a little bit. So I just wanted to impress upon you and your listeners that, listen, I don't, I don't care if you have a, a an old Smith, you know, 59, that you use every day, or, or the newest, jazziest, you know, P365, the whole point of the matter is being proficient with whatever gun fits you, fits your fits your uh, your budget, and and you feel comfortable shooting. Um, I, I impressed upon my uh, my Facebook friends and stuff when I did a little video review, that no, no matter what you shoot, you have to put the time and the investment in to become proficient with that weapon. So whether you're shooting a 40 cal, a 45, a 9 mil, 380, it, it doesn't matter. But you have to put the time, the, the ammo costs, and the effort into being consistent with that gun. Um, depending upon what what time of year, uh, your winter, summer, I'll either be carrying a, a 43X with, you know, 10 and, and two, two magazines, or in the wintertime I, I carry my 19, um, and here in New Jersey, Active LE is allowed 15 rounds, but af- after that, we're only around 10. So even a, a Glock 19 with 10 rounds, if I'm proficient with that, like you just said, down in Texas with that, that church uh, incident being being handled with one shot, that should be all it takes is one shot. you got to put the time in and, and become confident that you'll be able to have shot placement when that critical incident arrives, okay? Um, I'll call back a little later. I'll leave you a personal message in regards to, to my number or my contact information. I'd love to be a, a, a guest on the show, on the podcast. Maybe we could do a little something once once in a while, every other month or something. But, yeah, uh, it's Biggie from Jersey. Sign it off. Keep it real. Talk to you soon. Biggie, thank you. I'm going to go ahead and reach out to you pretty soon and try to get you as a guest on this show. Wow, you got a shooting range in your backyard? (laughs) That's so cool. A a lot of you have emailed me and voicemailed me, and you're in the same situation with a shooting range in your backyard. I'm jealous of that. Oh, wow, man, that would just be so cool. Walk out my door, and and I got a shooting range. But I I can't, can't do that. I live in the city limits of San Antonio, Texas, so obviously you cannot get away with that. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a Yankee with a gun. Uh, I was born in New York City, raised in Wisconsin. I call Wisconsin my home state because I spent most of my youth and early adulthood in Wisconsin. And uh, matter of fact, uh, I grew up about 15 miles uh, west of Green Bay. So, yes, I'm a Cheesehead, lifelong Packer fan, and you guys, mo- some of you know that, but if you're new, maybe you didn't know that. But now I live in the great gun-friendly state of Texas. Uh, in 1993, I moved to Texas, and I've uh, been here ever, pretty much ever since. I was in Oklahoma for a short time uh, when I took a job and uh, and went there. But, you know, here we are, in the great gun-friendly state of Texas. And it's just its surprising for me to hear from somebody in New Jersey. It's got a shooting range in their backyard. But yeah, I've, I've been to New Jersey. I've never spent a lot of time, but I've been there several times. 
But I, I just think that's cool. I'm just sorry that you folks in New Jersey, um, you know, you got such limited, limited gun rights. And, you know, for those of you that, that, that listen to me from out of the country, because I know I have some international uh, listeners, not all parts of the United States are the same. We got some states here that are very, very restrictive, and then some states here that are very, very um, uh, open with their gun rights. And, uh, you know, a lot of open carry states, a lot of constitutional carry states, even just a lot of states that are shall issue. But Big E, thanks very much. He, he brings up some good points, and that is being proficient and practicing with whatever gun that you have. It doesn't matter. You know, most guns are pretty good guns, uh, especially if if they're a gun that, like, has been manufactured within about the last, you know, I would say 25 years, last maybe 30 years. Maybe we could go back even a little farther than that, maybe to the to the mid-80s. And I'm not saying that anything that was made before the mid-80s or the 90s is a bad gun. I'm not saying that. It's just that technology seemed to really take a big leap in the 80s and 90s, and then another really huge leap in in 2000, and even more uh, excellent technology and just fine weapons that are now made here uh, in 2020 and beyond. So whatever you get, whatever you can afford, is probably going to be a well-made firearm, which means it should perform well if you can perform well. Well, and even like uh, like Big E says, even if it's an old Smith and Wesson or something like that, even if it's a revolver, whatever, practicing with what you have. Uh, I am not at the level of shooting yet to where I can shoot better than any of my guns. All of my guns that I own that are in the safe that I'm staring at right now as I do this podcast, they all are, those guns can shoot better than I can shoot them. The inherent accuracy in those pistols is much better than me. As a matter of fact, I have to compliment a couple of guns that I have right now for their inherent accuracy. One of them is a, a Gen 5 Glock 19, and I have the FS version with the front serrations and no no front strap cutout on the grip. That thing is accurate. It's, it's accurate. I mean, it will, uh, like I said... Uh, it's much more accurate than its owner. Uh, my Sig P365 for a short-barreled small gun. I can be very accurate with that thing. Car PM9 is an incredibly accurate gun if you can master the double-action trigger. But it is all about putting in the time and the effort and you know whatever that you can can get away with doing because ammo costs are low so think about that I just recently got a case of a thousand rounds and I used Ben Branham's Lucky Gunner affiliate modernselfprotection.com slash ammo and it was uh, CCI Blazer Brass pretty decent stuff pretty decent ammo well under $200 delivered to my door for a case of a thousand rounds so you know when you hear me talk about giving your guns a thousand round trigger job it's not that expensive to do that anymore I remember during the ammo scare and during the firearms uh, scare 
that we had when, when Obama was president and talking about all kinds of gun control and things and it spiked up prices of ammo big time and prices of guns and it was in certain kinds of ammo the common calibers were very scarce 9mm uh, 45 they were scarce 380 was nearly impossible to find 22 pretty much was impossible to find and if you did it was incredibly expensive remember that Stock up, folks. Stock up. Um, I was talking to Ben Branham the other day, and I was telling him that I was getting low on ammo, and I got to start stocking up, even with the, even including the case I recently bought from him. Uh, I'm still a little bit too low. Um, you know, there are some people out there, some gun owners out there, that think if they have four boxes of ammo that they're well stocked. You know, four boxes of 50 rounds each. Let me tell you what. If you if you only have four boxes. Uh, 50 rounds each. You you don't have any ammo. I mean, I'm serious. You got to get some ammo. I mean, because you first of all, I would strongly suggest practicing a lot more than just uh, four boxes. You know, some people only take about four boxes a year out to the range, and once a year, that's what they're doing. That's what they're shooting. They're shooting four boxes a year, and they're thinking that they're a well accomplished shooter. You know, um, I'm going to say something. I, on, on Facebook, I follow Dwayne Thomas. I don't know if Dwayne listens to this show or not. He's a very well-accomplished gun writer up in the Pacific Northwest. And he put a post on Facebook just uh, the other day. And he said, you know, um, he loves new shooters when new shooters come out to IDPA matches. By the way, Dwayne Thomas, if you're listening, I'm saying hi. How are you? Hey, call me. Not call me. I don't know. I don't know Dwayne, but contact me, Dwayne. Send me an email, handgunworld at gmail.com. And um, I'm not really sure how to contact him, but I'm going to try. I might get Dwayne on, on this show as a guest because he's got a lot of really, really good knowledge. And he's a very good competition shooter. And he was saying he likes new shooters. New shooters at at competition matches. And one of the comments that he made that I thought was really good is he told a new shooter that came to an IDPA match, he said, you know, you realize that there are a lot of people sitting at home that talk about how good and how fast they can shoot. They talk about it. But you, sir, you're a new shooter, but you're here. You're here with your gun, with ammo, under a shot timer, and under 10 to 15 squad mates watching you shoot that that's some pressure that's some pressure and you're not just talk you're actually out here doing it and and I agree 100% with what Dwayne said so I applaud all of you who actually do actually go out and do uh, and that means going out and shoot and practicing and even if all you do is go to a competition match um, let's say once every six to eight weeks that even that is far better than somebody that just sits around at home and once a year on the on the Fourth of July, for example, a lot of people like to go out and shoot on the Fourth of July, and, and you know I I can always tell when I if I go to the range on a Fourth of July, uh, I try not to do that too much anymore because you get a lot of people out there that either have never shot a gun, and there's nothing wrong with those of you who have never shot a pistol or, or any kind of a gun, um, you know I mean I'm I'm not saying I'm not criticizing you. But there, there are a lot of people who have never shot or who are very, very new or only practice once a year. 
And they're the people that go out there, like I say, with their with their handgun and four or five boxes of, of, of ammo, punch a bunch of holes in the paper once a year. Right? How many of you know someone like that? And once a year they're going out there, and if they can keep everything inside of like a like a 10 or 12 inch group or something like that once a year, they think they're good. And it, it's amazing, you know, and there's just a lot of people like that out there. So Big E, my caller, uh, you're exactly right. Just getting proficient with what you have, because I would say 95% of the people who are listening to this podcast and listen to me talk right now, you have a good gun. You have a good gun, and if your if your budget is tight, if you are, you know, if you live by a budget like I do, and your budget's tight, well, guess what? Um, that's okay. That's okay. Just just shoot what you got and go out and practice. There's nothing wrong with uh, with 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 living by a budget. I'm a big believer in it. I'm a huge Dave Ramsey fan, as most of you know, and and try to live my financial life as much like like Dave as I can because not only is Dave full of a lot of common sense in finances, but he's also a man of faith and a, and a Christian man like I am. So if you're, if you're going by a budget like that and, and you only have one gun and it's a relatively average, inexpensive gun, that's fine. Go, go buy a whole bunch more ammo. Go to the range. Come, come do a competition match. And if you're a new shooter, you know what? You'll find that USPSA and IDPA and AASA and most of the shooting clubs out there, they're very welcoming to new shooters. And I, I kind of agree with, with, with Dwayne Thomas and with Big E, my caller. Just go do it. Just get out there. And you'll find that as a new shooter, you're going to be welcome. You're going to be treated well. Uh, you're going to be shown a lot of what to do, and people are going to be patient with you, and people are going to take the time to show you, show you not only the sport but safe gun handling skills. It's one thing I really like about the competition sports. They all promote practice and implement very, very safe gun handling skills, which is very important. And I'd like to, I'd like to ask a question to all of you. How many of you listening went to a competition match for the first time recently? I, I know you're out there because I know a lot of you have emailed me. And even within the past few months, you've emailed me and you've said, Hey, I, I went to a competition match for the first time. I've had people, I'm not trying to brag, but I've had people say, Hey, Bob, because of you, you inspired me to go go try some competition or go practice or take my first training class, my first handgun defen defensive handgun training class and you know folks i'm i'm not a an industry uh, insider i'm not I, I don't consider myself one of the top experts in in the world on firearms i certainly far far from that i i don't even consider myself one of the high level firearms trainers in america day i'm just i'm just an everyday guy right i'm just some dude that really takes my second amendment uh Writes very very seriously, but I also I also like to try to be very encouraging, and 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 share what I've learned since 2005 because I've been doing this since 2005. Wow, 15 years now, uh, podcasting about 10 and a half years, and I, I I just try to motivate and inspire people to get good with 
with with shooting and, and with self-defense and, and to get knowledgeable. I've, I haven't added up how many training hours I've taken, but, you know, between training classes and competition matches, I've probably got, you know, 400 or 500 hours on the range in the past 10 I mean, the past 15 years, at least, at least that, and a lot of it under professional instruction. And, I, and I've had the privilege and the fortunate um, opportunity to train with some of the biggest names and most well-accomplished firearms trainers. Uh, I've taken two classes with Masada Yub. I've taken a class with Tom Givens. I've taken several Suarez International classes designed by Gabe Suarez, a lot of the you know, instructors that that he has out there. Spent some time teaching for his organization, and uh, I've trained a lot of people with Ben Branham during our Beyond Concealed Carry classes that we've, we've kind of put it on hold right now, but uh, may come back to doing that. You know, so I, I've had the fortunate experience to to go out there and I, I think if, if that awful day came, if that awful time came where I had to use my handgun, and, and I really, really sincerely hope I never have to do that. You know, for, for people out there who might think that those of us who podcast about handguns and firearms, and you know, they, they think we're a bunch of nutbags, a bunch of crazy gun nuts, right? A bunch of... Uh, weirdos you know like we get classified we get put in a category like we're some kind of a uh, substandard human because we like firearms all the all the gun control people out there love to do that to us they love to categorize us as as tinfoil hat wackos and we're certainly not i found that 98% of the people that that love guns firearms and self defense they're squared away, good, salt-of-the-earth, good-hearted, uh, excellent people. Some of the most generous people and nicest people that I've ever met, never had the pleasure. And, you know, one day when I stopped doing this, I, one, of the greatest, one of the greatest takeaways and things that I'm going to be thankful for are all the people that I've met while, while being in firearms. And I, I will never... I'll never stop carrying a gun, and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll never try to. I'll never stop trying to improve myself with a gun, and and I'll never stop being around other freedom-loving people just like me that strongly believe that they have a God-given inherent right to to self-defense and to be free. And and one of the best ways to be free and defend yourself and stand up against tyranny is with a firearm. And I don't just necessarily mean governmental tyranny. I mean that sure, I mean your government can can, can turn tyrannical on you. And, and and a lot of people probably think and, and with good reason feel that that the US government government in many ways, especially some of the state governments that we have here, they they are tyrants. They are tyrants. And if some of them get elected governor or president, they become tyrants and you you have to have the ability to stand up but also think about this think about this 
just the right of self-defense, the right to preserve your own life. You know, you have that inherent right to preserve your own life. And I've said this many times. I've said it many times. You know, the the it, it, to possessing a firearm is is really a right to life. You know, a lot of people equate the right to life with the with the abortion argument, which is a highly politically charged argument. And also, if you're a a, a believer, if you're if you're a person of faith like myself, it's not just a uh, political uh, subject, but it's also a, a religious subject. But I'm not talking about that. In this this podcast that I do, I try to keep it as as politics free as much as I can. But you have a right to life. You have a right to preserve your life if somebody wants to take it away, don't you? How many of you would agree with me on that? You have a right to preserve your life. And if somebody, or, or the lives of, of loved ones that are in your family, in your home, in your presence, when you're out and about, you have that right to preserve everything about your own life and the life of your loved ones. So that's also uh, an inherent right. And the Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States protects that right. And by the way, I want to say something since I'm talking about the Constitution. Again, I'm no, I'm no legal expert. I'm not a constitutional expert, but I, I've read most of the con- Constitution. I can't, I can't lie and say that I've read every word of it, but I've read most of it. And uh, let me tell you what the Constitution, what I, I look, I, this is my opinion now. And again, this is not politics. This is the Constitution of the United States of America I'm talking about. It appears to me that what the Constitution is really doing is protecting and limiting. Protecting and limiting. And here's what I mean by that. It's protecting rights that you already have. And it's limiting the power of your federal government and limiting their right uh, limiting their ability to take those rights away from you. I'll say that again. The Constitution protects rights that you already have and it limits your federal government, limits our federal government, it limits their power to interfere or to take away or infringe upon those rights. And I'm not only talking about the Second Amendment. I'm talking about a lot of inherent rights that you have. And here in the United States, we've got state governments, of course, and a lot of state governments are trying to take your rights away. We all have state constitutions, and same thing, protecting rights. And so, that's that's the way I look at it. If I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, let me know. Let me know, because I'm I am open-minded. I'm always I've always been a believer that your mind is like a parachute. It works best when it's open. And my mentor, my mentor Tom Hopkins, years ago, taught me that. So open mind is key. So I am open minded. So if you want to call in a voicemail or email or whatever about my thoughts on the U.S. Constitution, I'm all ears. And uh, matter of fact, like I said, if you call in a voicemail to 210-646-1727, I might put your comment or your question on my show and 
answer it. Okay, just a, uh, a brief break, and I will be right back. Okay, back from the break. Now, I want to talk about a little bit more about uh, an email that I received from David. And I won't use his last name, but he was asking me about the P365. So here I go talking about specific guns again. He asked me about the SIG P365 and he wanted to know if I had the latest version. I believe I do. Now, officially, I don't think you can really find any information from SIG that there are different versions of this but you know it's been manufactured for a couple years and there's been some things changed on them so even though you can't officially find anything from from SIG stating that you know it's version 1 or version 2 or version 3 it appears to me that there's been I think three different um, three different versions or three different uh, let's say runs of this uh, P365 and right on the box, it, it has a date. And on mine, it says September 30th, 2019. So I, I'm fairly sure this is the latest uh, quote-unquote version. And it's, it's, been, it's been trouble-free for me so far. And, and excellent to carry. And it's just been a really nice little gun that I like. And, you know, shooting it is, is what I expected it pretty much to be. Now... Technically, it's a little small for my hands because my my hands my fingers are so long it kind of wraps right around. And one thing that I don't like is is when my hands completely wrap all the way around the grip of a gun. That's one of the things I don't like about my my G43X and 48. That's why still my favorites are the are the G19s and the M&P9 compacts and any of the double stack guns out there. More difficult to carry, yeah, but my hands just seem to fit them better but anyway david on the box you, you probably have a a date on there and that's probably the the manufacture date or release date or or you know whatever date that that sig i guess determined that they wanted to bring that particular pistol it's probably a run there were probably different runs i would say you know you know several thousand each time or or, or tens of thousands each time anyway september 30th 2019 is mine. I would suggest that that if you're in the market for a P365 that you just double check and make sure it's probably something made in like late 2019 or in 2020 and I think you should be good to go. Don't ask me what it is that they've changed. You know, I've heard the recoil springs, I've heard the striker, I've heard the firing pins, I've heard the x-ray sights and and a combination of all that stuff, but but who knows? Um, you really pretty much have to kind of kind of test it, but I but I think that if you get one that's been made fairly recently, you're going to be fine. And, and I don't think that you could find anybody that would not admit that they had challenges, they had problems with these pistols when they first came out. Here we are, fast forward to years later 
they really pretty much seem to be good to go. So I I would give this thing a thumbs up. And of course, I'll report if there's any problems or anything like that with it or, or anything comes up, uh, I'll, I'll report it. I, You know, one of the recent uh, competition matches I shot, I had a malfunction with my third generation Glock 19. So anything can malfunction. Now, I don't know if that was a malfunction induced by me uh, or if it was induced by the gun. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter whether I did it or whether the gun did it. Anything can malfunction. You got to know how to clear them, and you got to be able to uh, clear it and clear it efficiently. If you go go to my Facebook page and watch some of the videos I've put up there uh, at competition matches, probably one of the last one or two videos you'll see that malfunction. So I invite you to go there and check that out because it's. I, I thought I did a pretty good job of clearing it. A little bit slower than what I like. I can do it faster. But it's very important. Anything. Even if you're carrying a revolver. I mean, people who say that revolvers don't mal- malfunction, I don't think are being uh, genuinely honest. Because even though it's probably very rare, they do. I've had a revolver malfunction on me, me before, and it's no fun. Usually when a revolver malfunctions, malfunctions it's a pretty bad one. Okay, next I'll talk about another specific gun. Now, here's something... That, that I thought was interesting. This is one reason why I like getting emails from listeners, because I, I find out about a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, Ernesto in Amarillo, Texas, emailed me, and uh, he listens, says he listens to a lot of different podcasts, but he hadn't been listening to any gun podcasts. But he just purchased a new Glock 34, and uh, said he was in the mood to try to find a handgun or a gun firearms-related podcast. So he just searched Glock. In, in podcasts. So he went to his podcast app, I guess, is what I make of this, and he searched Glock and my show popped up. How about that, huh? Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, right? So he listened to an older episode about the Glock 19 Gen 5 that I did, and um, I, I guess he said that that was his first time he listened, and perhaps now he's a he's a regular Listener, so this this Glock 19 Gen 5. Let's let's talk about this here a little bit. I've mentioned it before, and uh, it's it's the newer version, the front serrations version. So it's also called the FS, which that's what the FS means, front slide serrations. And I I just I just think that of all of the Glocks out there, the ones that benefited the most. The ones that got the most upgrades are the are the Gen 5s, specifically the newest Gen 5s. I never really noticed much of a difference between the Gen 3s and the Gen 4s. Matter of fact, I really didn't even like the Gen 4s. The only thing I liked about them was the, was the grip, but the trigger was terrible on most of the Gen 4s, I thought. And the way the trigger bar was designed, I didn't like it, and it just... I was not a great big fan of the Gen 4s. The Gen 3s, in my opinion, are much better. The one I have is awesome. I've made some modifications to it. Most of you have seen it. I've talked about it. I've put pictures out there. I've competed with it. I always thought that the Gen 3s had better triggers. Uh, just like with the, with the M&Ps, the 2.0s have significantly better triggers than the first generation. M&Ps. But then when, when Glock came out with the Gen 5, I think it's got the best trigger of any of the Glocks that I've tried. 3s, 4s, or 5s. And I just think 
uh, all around the barrel, the grip, the no finger grooves, the the newest Gen 5s with the no f no cutout on the front uh, strap of the grip, the slide finish, pretty much everything about it just seems to be uh, a step above as compared to other Glocks. Now I'm not I'm not saying it's a step above compared to other manufacturers' handguns, but as far as the Glocks, it seems like pretty much all the Gen 5s, but especially the 19s and the 17s. And then, of course, when you talk about the 42s, the 43s, 43Xs, uh, 48s, especially the 43X and 48s, those seem to have the newest Gen 5 features in them, which are really nice. So I'm enjoying it. It's And the magazines are a little bit redesigned, especially with the Orange Follower, which I like. By the way, my Glock 3rd Gen, 4th Gen, and 5th Gen magazines will work just fine in, in the Gen 5s. So there's a lot of, um, you know, backwards compatibility and things like that. The, the newest Gen 5s, the MOS version and the non-MOS version with the, with the front serrations also uh, seem to have the extended uh, base plates which is good. I I use the Vickers base plates on almost all the Glock, Glock magazines when I'm when I'm carrying because I just like Larry Vickers' design of the base plates and how they stick out on the sides of the grip rather than the front, which is I think the most logical, easiest, and intuitive way to rip a magazine out of that gun if you have to clear that type of a malfunction. And those those malfunctions, although rare. They do happen, and you do need to know how to clear them. Uh, as a matter of fact, for those of you who are on the Shooters Club, for those of you who are members of our Shooters Club, you support Ben Branham and myself in the podcasts that we do, uh, and you get access to uh, well over 80 videos and a bunch of audio-exclusive podcasts. You'll see on there uh, a demonstration by both myself and Ben on how to clear those types of malfunctions. So check that out. If you want to become a member, ShootersClubMembers.com, ShootersClubMembers.com, $8 a month, $75 per year. So there you go. That's pretty much what I wanted to say on some specific guns. Just to let you know what's coming up, I'm trying to get some more interviews set up, trying to get Spencer Keepers back on the show. His schedule's pretty busy, and so is mine, but we're going we're gonna to put it together. And over the next uh, six weeks, like I said, I'll be doing some interviews for episode 500 that will come out and release on April 1st. All the guests I'm going to have, you have heard on this show before. But right now, until I get everything confirmed, I'm really not going to go over the names or, or the subject matter. But I'll be making that announcement as soon as I possibly can. That's it. So that pretty much wraps up this episode. Uh, remember, remember... Uh, call into the voicemail if you need to make a make a comment or ask a question. 210-646-1727. Folks, I'm Bob Main. You've just listened to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. Remember the loudest sound a shooter hears is a bang when he's expecting only a click or a click when he's expecting a bang. I've had that one happen to me, the second one. Too many times, a click when I'm expecting... A bang, especially in competition matches. You know what happens is, is sometimes you you get up there and uh, uh, you 
chamber around and and what's happened to me no, no I'm sorry not in competition not in competition it's happened to me in in uh, defensive handgun classes before especially like after doing drills where you have to download your magazines you know you download it to four five six seven rounds or whatever and you get done and I have actually just not paying attention put magazines in my gun and never chambered around and holstered the gun and and didn't chamber around, and then the next time it was kind of embarrassing when the instructor, you know, got us started for the next drill, and I press that trigger and hear click. Yeah, that's that's a loud sound because you know you're expecting something to happen, and and something doesn't. And and I really hope it never happens to you where you hear that bang when you're only expecting a click because that's that's some real trouble there. Don't ever get in that situation. So. Press check your pistol. That's I'm a big fan of that. I mean, it's it's kind of a controversial subject. Some people think you don't need that or shouldn't need that. I think you should always know the condition of your gun. Always, always know the condition of your gun. Even if you think you remembered putting it away and there was a round chambered, you know, wh- what does it hurt to safely, again, I'll say safely, what does it hurt to safely check? Check, make sure that you got a round in the chamber. Uh, before you holster that gun. What does it hurt? Uh, as long as you're doing it the right way, it hurts nothing. So anybody that wants to argue with me on that, I'd love to hear a good reason why you, you shouldn't do press checks, why you shouldn't always know the condition of your gun. If you put it in and out of the safe, what if you unload it and you have to you have to keep it stored somewhere unloaded? What if you forget that you unloaded it? Or at least you forget you took a round out of the chamber or whatever, then, you know, when it comes time to use that, you, you could be in trouble. So, don't uh, don't hear either of those sounds, okay? That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. Remember, evil does not exist in the holster. It exists in the hearts of men and women. Shoot straight, read your Bible every day, and I'll talk to you next time. Good.